0: Hello and welcome to Helpline on Feed, Play, Love. This week, unfortunately, Chris Mino can't be with us, so Karina Lane has stepped up. Karina is one of our experts on the Babyology Sleep School, so she can answer exactly the same questions as Chris, whether it's about sleep, not just sleep though, feeding, um, behavioral issues we're talking babies toddlers all those kinds of challenges sometimes you just don't know where to go with it karina is here to answer your questions thank you so much for coming in karina no problem. and so the first um first of all the ways you can ask us your questions if you're watching us live on facebook you can pop them in the comments below the video if you're listening to us via podcast you can send the email to helpline at theparentbrand.com.au au. So first up we're going to start with an email from Alicia. She says we need to stop my six-month-old's dummy dependency. Uh It affects his and our sleep as he wakes as soon as it falls out and needs us to go in to put it back in for him. He also needs it to fall asleep. Any tips on how to wean him off it?
1: Sure, sure. Uh, Totally normal for a baby of this age to love the dummy. And look, it's great for keeping them happy and helping them get to sleep. But like you say, it can turn into a nightmare when it comes out every few minutes overnight and they need your help to put it back. So the good news is you've picked a really good time to do it because what they say is between six months and two-ish, two and a half years, it's not that easy and it's not really recommended unless it's absolutely necessary. So you're just right on the cusp of um, getting into that window. So it's doable. Um, I'm a big fan of doing these things gently. So I'd advise to allow a good two to four weeks for this process to happen. Um, I'm, not a, I'm, not, I'm not a big fan of just, you know, the cold turkey approach. <laughs> they're just so, they're little tiny people. and um, But babies really rely on um, that to help self-soothe and, and to keep them children happy. So what I'd recommend, it doesn't say um, whether it's day and night, so I'm going to assume it's day and night that the dummies in use. So what I'd recommend is starting off with working on the day Um, So the first step would be to, if at all possible, keep the dummy well away from day to daily life. um, Unless baby becomes very unsettled and nothing else works, then get the dummy and use that. So this is really good time to practice um, using all your other techniques when baby, you know, just gets into strife during the day or gets fractious or um, needs some help with settling. So. you go go with that try to keep it up when we're not talking about sleep here just day-to-day life remove the dummy that's step 1 then for daily stay sleep um, we're going to use the dummy and we're going to kind of withdraw the dummy gradually so your next step would be to use the dummy to help baby get to sleep and then after 10 minutes remove the dummy and if you can without waking baby up obviously um, the idea is that baby stays asleep and you can use some other techniques to keep baby asleep now if baby um, freaks out and isn't happy with that, give bub dummy back and wait another 10 minutes, then remove the dummy. So that's the next step. Um, Then Do this for a few days so that baby's used to it. Um, Your next step after that would be to go in after five minutes. So when baby's asleep, we're in the daytime here. Nighttime, don't worry, we're just working on the day at the moment. Um, So for the five minutes, when baby's asleep, remove the dummy do that for the next few days, then the next step is to make it one or two minutes. So as you can see, we're making the times with the dummy shorter and shorter um, and helping baby to stay asleep without the dummy. So once you've got the one to two minute dummy removal down, then you would try to remove the dummy before you even put baby in the cot to fall asleep. So you know that fa- that part between when they're really dozy and before they fall asleep, try to remove the dummy at that point. And that is your day. They're, they're the steps you take to remove the dummy during the day. Give it a good couple of weeks for that to settle in and for baby to get used to being in the day with no dummy whatsoever, and that's including sleeps as well. And then go into the nights and do the same thing, step by step, nice and gradual. It's a bit of hard work, but it's it's probably the most gentle way and easiest in the long run. And I do love that
0: start with the day before we go to the night because the nights are always the hardest. Yeah, yeah.
1: Don't do it all. That's just giving you so much work. Um, Definitely start with small steps. (laughs) It's all about breaking it down. Brilliant. Good luck with that, Alicia. This question comes from
0: Sophie. She says, whenever we've tried to get our son to go to sleep in his cot or to self-settle, he has protested so strongly that we've given up out of guilt and worry for him. Since he was a little baby, he's been fairly content in every aspect of his life, except when we've attempted rocking in the cot, pat-shush, leaving him for a couple of minutes at a time or even camping out. He cries so loudly, gets tears and snot running down his face and develops this raspy cry that seems to come from deep within him. So we've always ended up picking him up and doing whatever he needs to fall asleep. For example, feeding to sleep or rocking. Our hearts just can't take it. But now, of course, we are exhausted Mm. because we've ended up with a 14-month-old toddler who co-sleeps and still needs so much intervention to get to sleep and wakes a few times in the night for more of this comfort we've been offering up. Are there any stages we can use to gently transition him to his cot in his own room and eventually sleep through the night? He's 14 and a half months, walking, eats pretty well, and is still breastfed. He has never had a dummy and so far hasn't become attached to a toy or comforter, despite us trying to incorporate one into the bedtime routine. He has one nap around 11 to 1, wakes around six thirty-seven, and goes to bed around 7.30. His bedtime routine inclu- includes calm play, a bath, PJs, and sleeping bag, three or so bedtime stories, and then the big song and dance we need to do to get to sleep. <laughs> if you can help this big,
1: softy mum and dad, we'd appreciate it. Thank Aww, you. Reminds me of my first baby. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. I say the same. Oh, he made it so hard for us. Uh, look... Hats off to you for trying so hard and working so hard with your little guy. Um, he obviously, he loves you very much and needs a lot of help, and you've been really patient in giving him everything that he needs. So good on you for that. But I get how exhausted you must be, and wondering if there's something else you should be doing to make this to make life a little easier because we don't want it to be too hard. Um, so it sounds like you've got, a, you know, the day routine sounds great. Um, the bedtime ritual, that routine before bed, sounds really good too. Um, One thing that stands out for me is um, it sounds like he's become quite resistant to all your tricks and strategies for getting him into that cot, which I can relate to as well. Um, So the the padding and the shushing and the put down and all those sorts of things obviously hasn't worked for your baby. Um, I'm wondering if he's become quite resistant to the cot and even to his bedroom altogether. Um, So one, one tip would be to start making that room a really happy place to be. So maybe spending time in there together, playing and reading and hanging out, or even in his cot with some toys, just... Spend a few days or a couple of weeks just enjoying time in there, not making it like, come on, you've got to go to sleep. It's um, This is where we do bedtime. So just so that he can start getting some positive associations with it could be a good start. Um, I love that you've got the bedtime routine in place. Now, with the comforter, um, I know it can be hard to get some babies to take it, especially when they just prefer you. Um, a little trick to try with your comforter is to do what we call conditioning with it. So I think they still breastfeed, right? Mm-hmm. So a good trick with your comforter is to bring the, the little soft lovely or whatever you've got um, everywhere you go when you're with your um, baby and put it under your t-shirt or against your bare skin certainly when you're breastfeeding it's a really good opportunity to do that because then it's actually nuzzled between you both and it's absorbing your scent and so baby firstly associates it with you um, but it also smells of you so you condition it for two to three days before kind of leaving him with it Um, and the idea is that it kind of replaces you so hopefully because it reminds him of you so that could be a good way to get him to accept the comforter uh, more and that can help with getting him happier around the bedtime. Now what else stands out? Um, I think perhaps a later bedtime could possibly be another option. So there's three steps to try. So make the bedtime, the bed, bedroom and nursery and er that area a happier chilled out place to be. Uh, Condition that comforter and what was the last thing I said? Make that bedtime maybe slightly later, yes. just slightly later. Apparently in Australia we have the earliest bedtimes in the world, so it's worth a try. <laughs> Don't tell my kids that. Yeah, yeah, sh- <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, so there's a few things to try. Um, the other thing is with your bedtime routine, are you using music? Um, music is something that's really useful in that um, setting that bedtime scene, but you can play it overnight as well. So if he's waking up and wanting you... Um, if that music's still playing and he's got the comforter, he's got a couple of associations that might help him stay a bit happier in there. Um, and as far as the, if if you guys, if the co-sleeping isn't working, then that's fine. Don't do it. If it is working and you're worried about it, I say don't worry about it. As long as you're doing it safely, do whatever works. Um, he obviously needs you and he needs to be in close contact with you. So that's fine. But it sounds like he's still waking up while co-sleeping. So if that's the case... A step to get him to transition to his bedroom, once you've done all those other things and made the bedroom a nice place to be for him, um, would be to maybe camp out on the floor with him. So co-sleep on the floor, get a mattress, put it in the nursery, um, sleep in there together That's for a week or so, and then transition him into the cot. So by then, he should have lots of positive associations about going to bed and his bedroom and his sleep scene. So hopefully some of those steps will work for you. Yeah. And I love the thing about the comforter.
0: Yeah. So it's such a good trick, isn't it? It is. And my daughter, I've told this story many times before, but I think I should be able to tell it until the day I die. <laughs> my daughter, to comfort herself, used to pinch me under my arm here. Yeah, and oh, I used nice. to have like <laughs> bruises because I was so desperate to get her to sleep. Yeah. If people think they're doing the wrong thing. You should just hear what I did. <laughs> so used to rock her to She'd pinch me, pinch me, pinch me. We tried everything to get her associated with something else, Nothing worked, but I never Mm. thought about that, um, getting your scent on a comforter. I reckon it makes a lot of difference. So Okay. We've got a question here from Kristen. Uh, My daughter is now 13 and a half months and I have some questions about her daytime naps. She goes to daycare Monday to Wednesday and they just can't seem to get her down for two naps a day. Typically, she's going down for her first nap there sometime between 10.30 and 11.30 and will sleep around one to two hours. She refuses to have her afternoon nap, and I have had many conversations with them about adjusting her schedule and timing to try and fit in, but they're not having much luck. On daycare days, I either try and get her to have a short nap in the car on the way home about 4.30, 5.00 p.m., or put her to bed an hour early or so uh, at six 6.30 as she's exhausted. But then, but she then sleeps for the whole night until around 6.37 the next morning. By the time it gets to Thursday, she's absolutely wrecked and quite volatile in her mood with screaming and tantrums, and it takes a few days to recover. At home, we're doing two naps around 10, and 10 a.m. and 2.30 p.m., and I usually don't have trouble putting her down. But I think part of it is she's so tired from earlier in the week, she's catching up on sleep, just wondering what to do as our week is really out of whack." Is she still too young to go down to one nap? Do I just continue to try and let her catch up on her sleep from her daycare days until she's old enough? And how will I know when she's ready with her week being so all over, all over the place? Also, she's on three milk feeds a day, morning, midday, and bedtime.
1: Okay. <clears throat> right. Um, gosh, they make it – it's hard to go back to work, isn't it, and do the whole balance thing, and uh, you don't expect all these extra challenges to come up. Um the good news is your baby may be ready for one nap a day, so it's certainly worth trying that. So maybe getting daycare to um, kind of delay that nap closer to 11, 30, 12, so that you get that she gets that nice big chunk at lunchtime. So that's that's definitely worth a try. Then that takes the pressure off you having to worry about whether she's getting enough sleep. <clears throat> um, now, why you do that for the, maybe the first week or so, while she kind of get um, adjusted to that. No problem with giving her a little power nap in the car um, whenever she needs it, um, driving home, driving around doing errands or just conking out on the couch for 15 or 20 minutes, that's fine if she needs that extra hit of sleep in the afternoon. Um, but by the first, once that's done over the first week, you'll should you you'll know if she's ready for that one sleep a day, um, see how she goes in that second week. So hopefully that can take the pressure off there. Um, I'm not sure how long you've been back at work, but some of the acting out behavior could be part of the adjustment to daycare. It's, it's such a big world at this age for, because she's basically straddling two worlds. She's straddling Babyhood and toddlerhood, so they call her a bodler. <laughs> that's a term. <laughs> um, so she's, you know, still still part baby and still wanting and part wanting to explore and do her own thing. Um, so this is uh, this is a whole other emotional struggle that babies of this age go go through. Um, and then there's also maybe missing some connection time with you. Maybe she's adjusting to time without you. And you know, we can't help that. We, you know, a lot of us work, and that's just part of it. Um, but something you could do is maybe try to catch up on your connection time um on your days off together or in the evenings, don't rush through your routines and get Bub to bed. Maybe spend a little bit more time just cuddling up reading books, just enhancing that connection time just in case the acting out stuff is coming out from there as well. So I think that covers everything I wanted to say. And also, you know, take care of yourself. Don't going to work is hard enough as a mum and um then adjust so you basically have two shifts. You work and then your second shift is at home when your parents so you work non stop. So take care of yourself in all this as well, I'd like to add.
0: Karina Lane and Helpline on Feed, Play, Love will be back answering more questions right after this. Now back to your questions with Helpline and Karina Lane. We have a question from Lisa on Facebook. This is a question mm-hmm. that's just come in now. Hi, I have 13-month-old twins. One wakes during the night and can't be settled for three hours. It's always three hours. She's not hot, cold. Hungry, in pain, etc. It's almost every night. I have a strict daily routine. They self settle settle for two naps during the day with no problems. I have a night routine, and they usually will self settle to sleep between six thirty and seven thirty at night with no problems. It's getting really tough being up with her
1: for three hours
0: during the night because she won't let me sit down with her. I have to be standing with her. She's screaming loudly, which then wakes her sister. Sometimes this happens twice a night. I have no idea what to do next. Oh Fair my enough, gosh! Lisa, I wouldn't
1: know either. Oh my gosh! Again, I can relate to this with my twins. Like same situation, it can be so hard. Um, uh, so you've got the routine. The routine's been working fine, um, working fine for the other twin. The thing that stands out to me three hours is a long. Chunk of time overnight, like night waking is normal for babies of this age, but that's quite a long um, chunk of time. I'm wondering if it's a split night situation, which is when um, sometimes we can compensate with disrupted day sleeps by putting baby to sleep really early um, at night, or we might just have that really early bedtime. Um, And babies of this age, I think they need around 11 hours sleep a night. So if you're putting baby to bed at seven and expecting them to sleep through till 12, that they're actually getting a big chunk, they're getting a lot of their sleep in that first um, First half of the night and possibly waking up because they are feeling literally awake. Um, so the way to combat that is to delay bedtime. So you could try that. Delay bedtime. Um, so at the moment it's between six thirty and seven thirty. Yeah. See, that's quite early again. Um, could be worth kind of pushing that. I mean, the, how far
0: would you push it? Do you think?
1: Oh, uh, not really past eight. Okay. Um, and I'd also do it gradually. But that, uh, you know, I'm worried that that's going to ruin your routine. It's working fine for the other twin. Um, it could be worth just seeing how it goes, maybe getting some help from your partner overnight because it's not fair to you to be up that often. Um, that sounds really taxing. So a couple of things you could try, delay the bedtime, see if that helps kind of kind of reset the night's sleep for one of your twins. I mean, they all sleep differently, so it's not to say that something's wrong um, with the routine, it just might be something that she's going through. Um, but certainly uh, you know ask your partner for some support, some tag team effort there. Maybe he'd have more luck partners tend to have um, different sorts of skills with settling so it's certainly worth sharing that load to see Mm. if he can help you out there. Good luck with that, Lisa. Um,
0: This question comes from Ash from an email. I wanted to to ask your advice for my 10-month-old baby. She's slept in the cot since three months old and is a tummy sleeper. About six weeks ago, she started moving in her cot at night, which is normal, I understand. My other child did it too. But her moving is violent, and she hits her head hard against the cot every time she moves. She's gone from sleeping through to waking sometimes eight to ten times a night and is hurting herself and really wakes right up. Mm. We went away for a few days and she slept in our porter cot 13-hour straights due to the mesh sides that she couldn't hit herself on. I place her feet at the other end of the cot, but she works her way up the bed and also turns herself (laughs) sideways. She's in a sleeping bag. She isn't standing in the bed at night. It is literally just the violent rolling. I don't want to use bumpers for SIDS risks, but I'm not sure what else to do. I've put her in the travel cot in our room because both we and she needed the sleep.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Eight eight to ten times a night is pretty rough. Um, Okay, so look, you know, good on you for reminding yourself of the uh, sleep safety guidelines. Um, a lot of mums at this point do start resorting to cot bumpers because they're worried about bob hurting themselves or getting trapped in the bars. So good on you for keeping that front of mind. Um, so we don't want you to use bumpers or anything like that. Um, look, a few things you could try here. Uh, I don't know how what your travel cot setup is like, um, but if it's safe and you feel that it supports your baby's back, um, and you're fine with that. There's nothing wrong with using the travel cot if that, I mean, she's sleeping through. And I'm like, that's what we want. And if it works to have Bub in the room with you or set the travel cot up in her room, um, then nothing wrong with doing that. Just make sure that it does, you know, meet the safety standards um, and that you feel that the mattress is supportive for her back Um it could be worthwhile just using that for a while until she gets this rolling Cause thing.
0: Because it's just a phase, right? Yeah. My son used to roll a lot as well, but he stopped eventually after many nights of disrupted Many sleep. nights,
1: yes. And you don't want them to get in the habit of waking up so that, that, beautiful, that beautiful chunk of sleep overnight's gone forever. So, look, try the travel cot. By all means, um, if you can. Uh, The other thing is, with the cooler seasons coming up, it might be worth because I hear what you're saying. You're um, putting it down at the base of the cart, and she's still moving. But maybe with the cooler season, we could try anchoring her down with so not too heavy, but you know, when you do put an extra blanket on, tighten that, make sure it's nice and tucked in, and that might just restrict so much movement and if she does move um, it might not be so violent Um, and I guess the other thing is if if none of those are good options you can try getting in there before she does wake herself up because ideally we we want her to be able to kind of go oh I bumped I bumped myself again I just need to resettle back to sleep ideally so if you could get in there before she wakes up and before she gets really upset so while she's still dozy um, might be worth getting in there super fast and helping her to resettle before she is fully aware of what's happening so a few tips there I hope it Helps.
0: Um, Alicia has written, thank you for the dummy advice, Karina. I'm glad it's possible to do it gradually. So we'll start this process uh, today.
1: Good, good luck. Go, Alicia.
0: <laughs> um, this is a question from Trina on Facebook just now. Um, hi, I have a twenty-five-month-old who is fighting sleep at night. He's waking up in the morning anywhere from five thirty till six a.m. He's always been an early waker. He goes down for his nap around twelve 12.00 till twelve thirty for two hours, two and a half hours. Then up, going down around seven for bed. Just wants to play at night.
1: Fighting night sleep. Wow, <laughs> He's a what a cheeky monkey! Uh, look. You know, this is the age where they're going to do all that stuff and make things quite hard for you at nighttime. I guess the best thing um, to do is, you know, just hang in there. Um, make your night, your bedtime ritual a big, concrete thing. A lot of us um, kind of underestimate the power of the bedtime ritual or the bedtime routine. So make sure that's really concrete. Um, that you're using, you know, a sleeping bag. You're using a, the songs or the story. Um, use music. Um, some nice dreamy type music that plays all night a lot of us turn off the music but keep it on so that if they if um little monkey wakes up um they can hear that those same sleep cues are still in place um and i guess yeah it's about kind of being consistent and not engaging in play even though you might just feel like just let's just put on the tv and watch the wiggles or something try not to do that um try to keep things nice and dim and low stimulation and hang in there yeah, good luck, trainer. This is an
0: email from Philippa. Please, can you help our little boy to sleep better and feed less at night? My nearly 10-month-old is a thriving, energetic boy, but has never been a good sleeper for the past few months. Oh, sorry. But for the past few months he's been waking up to six times at night which has resulted in extra night feeds we try um, well Chris has a a suggested routine which Uh they're following Uh um, which is awake windows of two and a half to three hours before his morning nap Three and a half hours before lunch and three and a half hours before bed. Both his naps usually last between one to one and a half hours. He goes to bed between six thirty-seven after his bedtime bottle and will usually go back, go to sleep. Okay, but will without a doubt wake a few hours later. When he does, he will cry out, and if we don't go in within a few minutes, his crying will escalate, and resettling becomes near impossible. He has a dummy and a comforter which we attempt to replace but more often than not he will sit up or stand in his cot, arms out and we will, we have to give him a cuddle. We've tried to the, the pat and shush and lay him down but this always seems to make him more frustrated. Our boy is a hefty (laughs) 12.5 kilograms and the resettling is back-breaking. I'm sure. We've tried the pick-up, put-down, offering water and giving Panadol as and when needed as he's teething. But more often, it's a milk feed that calms him enough to go back to sleep. On a bad night, this has meant three feeds overnight of between 60 to 150 meals plus extra resettling in between. These extra feeds and night waking are impacting his mood and appetite during the day. Although he's offered three solid meals plus a snack and three milk mm-hmm. fe- feeds, he's often very fussy at meal times and gets very frustrated after a few mouthfuls. His milk feeds after breakfast and lunch are around 150 mils and before bed, 200 mils. I'm unsure if he's genuinely hungry in the night, but in the early hours when nothing else seems to work, we don't know what else to do. Oh, dear. It's from Philippa.
1: Yeah. Philippa, two words for you here, separation anxiety. It sounds like your little person is right in the thick of separation anxiety, which is a really normal phase, somewhere between 8 and 10 months, or maybe a bit later, um, all babies go through this stage where they need you immediately um, and would prefer not to be without you. And look, it's a really good sign if your baby is displaying this because it means you set up a beautiful, secure attachment, which means... Um, when you're not in the room, they want you in the room, um, and that's a good thing. We don't want them. To, we don't want you to be not in the room and for them not to care, because that's not a healthy attachment. Um, so this is a really normal phase, um, and the key to getting through it is you. So I'm afraid you are going to have to tend to your baby, and I know you've tried all those techniques, the pick up, put down, and it's not working. And the, the simple reason is because he needs you. Um, and what I also noticed there is that when um, I, I'm I'm guessing that he's not hungry as well just like you're thinking um, but what he does seem to respond to is the cuddles with you so when you nurse a baby whether it's a bottle or a breastfeed it's always a cuddle and it's always contact with someone so I would say it's the contact with someone that he needs at this time it shouldn't last forever it is a phase um, and like I said the key to getting, getting through it is just kind of hanging in there but also looking after yourself and utilizing support tag teaming with your partner and maybe trying to catch up on sleep yourself um, with you know the help of family and friends during the day um, it won't last forever um, and you know you're doing a great job with everything that you've done so far but yeah I'm pretty sure it's going to be the separation anxiety and that means he needs you.
0: Um, I love how you put a positive spin on that. (laughs) Good luck with that, Philippa. Um, This is an email from Alana. My middle son is 20 months old and loves his dummy. He only has it when he's in bed, but he has started to ask for it as a soothing tool when he gets hurt, upset or frustrated. I know I've missed the golden time to take it away without him noticing too much, but we moved house and had a newborn, so I didn't want to put too much on his plate. We're going away for a weekend soon and we're planning on ditching the dummy entirely once we return. Don't want to do the weekend away without it, to be honest. We know it will be a hard slog, but we're willing to tough it out. But we have two problems. One, my three-month-old has a dummy. How do we stop the toddler from taking his dummy? Is he old enough to understand it's for babies only? And two... He uses a second dummy as a comforter. He goes to sleep sucking one and rubbing the other between his fingers, sometimes swapping them as oh. the first dummy has lost its appeal. I don't know, kids are weird. They are, they're (laughs) brilliant. Is there anything you can recommend to replace it with that won't end up in his mouth? Finally, and maybe this is procrastination on my part, is it better to wait now that he's too old to take it away quickly over a weekend? Are we better off giving him another six months and then bargaining or explaining that dummies are for babies?
1: Oh, bless him. Um, So it sounds like he was always a fan of the dummy, and then a new baby came along, and suddenly it's just ramped up to obsession with dummies. Isn't that interesting? As though he wants to be a baby again, or kind of get the same attention that his his little uh, sibling is getting. So... I'm I'm guessing that part of this is the transitioning to a new sibling in the family, which is maybe why he's so um, dependent on the dummy. So, and I can kind of hear from well, I'm reading between the lines a little bit, but it doesn't sound like you're that keen really to give it up yet. So, I, I would it's fine to leave it a few more months if if that works for you. Like as long as it's not getting in the way of speech or food or. Um, teething, the teeth development, then don't worry about it. Uh, It's fine. He's obviously needing it at the moment. Um, As far as the three-month-old also having a dummy, I guess you could do colours. So he has his and baby has their own specific colour dummy, just to keep it a little bit separate. And maybe you could bring in something just gradually, bring in like a comforter or a special toy, which is kind of a a big boy toy if you want, but also just makes him feel nice like a baby as well. Because I think, you know, My kids still talk about wanting to be babies and they're like in primary school. So they miss it. They remember (laughs) how good it is to be a baby and they miss it. So your little... guy is going through a big transition and he's really only just getting started. Um, it takes a while for that to s- kind of sink in that, wow, there's a new kid here and life has changed. So let him have whatever's working to keep him secure and happy. Um, don't worry about your weekend away. Enjoy it. Bring the dummies. Um, like I said, as long as it's not getting in the way of anything else developmentally, let him have it. And in six months time, yep, his, de- his um, understanding will have increased. So you can work towards something, maybe a prize or, um, you know, and you've also brought in that lovey. Condition it. So use it against your skin make it really nice and mummy smelling so that and it's just for him not for the baby Um, and then that becomes his special toy and hopefully he'll be able to kind of let the dummies go when you're ready and take on this new toy. Lovely. Good
0: luck. Okay, we have one time for one last question. This is from Roz on the email. She says, I have an issue with my five-year-old son I'd love some help on. We recently moved back to Australia after a long time overseas. My elder son attended preschool five days a week where we were overseas while we were overseas and loved it. He did well socially and academically and hated the weekends because it meant no school. He recently started kindy here in Australia and it hasn't been going well. His found it hard to make friends has been distracted in the classroom and started physically acting out it's been really dis- distressing over the last week to hear that he's been fighting with other kids mm. throwing scissors in the classroom and being disruptive I don't hear about what he's been like been learning like I used to um, previously when he was at preschool and it's just
1: generally been heartbreaking to see him like this and mm. that's from Roz. that would be hard watching your little um, your little child, not, you know, going obviously going through something big and displaying these behaviors that you're not used to. Um, so it sounds like he's having a lot of trouble adjusting to. I mean, that's a big move, it's a big stress for a child to not only move houses, move schools, but he's moved countries. That's that's massive. So he's left behind something that he loved and an environment he was thriving in. So he's um it sounds like he's having a lot of trouble finding his feet in this new place. So I would recommend some emotion coaching. So he's old enough to talk with you. Um some nice open-ended questions from you about how he's coping. Um you know taking some time to explore what he's feeling. Um without jumping into kind of, you know, those fixing statements that we sometimes use, like don't worry, you'll be fine, you'll make friends, but actually letting him talk about what he's upset about and let him kind of really process that feeling um I'm a big fan of the phrase that there's no bad behaviour, there's just unmet needs. So, I mean, these behaviours at school sound like it's complete, it's not your son at all. Um, And so behind that behaviour, that's where we need to look. So we don't want to kind of address the behaviour, even though that's undesirable. We need to go underneath to figure out what's driving that behaviour. And usually there's a need there. So if you can get under there, the behaviour will sort itself out and eventually he will settle in. But I think he needs some really nice connection time with you and time to talk about his feelings and have them validated so he knows that it's normal to feel like this. and a very
0: tangential, again, I am not the expert here. I always say that. But just from my personal experience, because we moved country when I was seven, and mm. that that is two years is a big difference from five and two. But my folks said that I was, I mean, I was awful. <laughs> I think that I'm getting that back with my own kids now. But um, I used to cry all the time. I felt really yeah. lost and anxious. And my parents said I only settled down when I found a friend who lived basically in our same street and they said that they believed because nobody knew then what was going on with me they said they believed it was because finally I understood that they weren't going away that they weren't going to move away yeah again the caveat being no expertise I am not a psychologist but from my experience it was having a friend that was living nearby and gave me an anger
1: so, you know, if my pain can help in any way. Yeah, my I think it's a really self. good point. It's a really good point. Again, it's about, yeah, finding talking and having a chat about it. Yeah. Um, because little kids don't have the articulation and that kind of processing to kind of understand what they're feeling. He's not gonna come up to you and say, You know what? I'm finding this really hard Uh, they don't have that it's up to us to do the digging and the investigating um, and give them that time
0: yeah and if you can find any little friend that he can have playdates with yes maybe just one friend at a time Mm. a great idea Mm. a great idea yeah anyway there's my two cents worth thank you um, Karina thank you so much (laughs) for coming in it's been so nice having you and of course Karina is one of our experts on the Babyology Sleep School so you can book a consultation a private consultation one-on-one with Mm -hmm. Karina just look for the links. at either on the Facebook page or on the Babyology page. It's the Babyology Sleep School. Chris Minogue will be back next week for Helpline. Um, and if you'd like to ask a question for next week, just email us the usual way, helpline at parentbrand.com.au, or you can join us again live next week. Thanks again. Bye. Feed, Play, Love is a Babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt.